0: do you want to be a leader who gets noticed gets things done and gets real results then you need influence and authority join host jennifer mcclure to learn how to build authority expand your influence and increase your impact this is the impact makers podcast with jennifer mcclure you're listening to the impact makers podcast with jennifer mcclure episode number 28. hey there impact makers Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Impact Makers podcast, where my goal is to provide you with tools, tips, resources, and information to help you build a career that you love and a life that matters. Whether you're a business owner, a practitioner, or a community volunteer, you've probably been faced with the need to appear on camera. Either you need headshots for your website or a speaking opportunity, or you're doing videos to share about your life, your employer brand, your product, or your service. And we've probably all heard the anecdote that people fear public speaking more than death. But I think people actually fear appearing on camera more than they fear speaking in public. Um, or maybe that's just me. Maybe getting professional photos done brings back memories of school picture day when you had to wear your, quote, good clothes that you hated and that made you uncomfortable. Or maybe even worse, your mom forgot that it was school picture day, so you showed up wearing a dirty t-shirt and your yearbook photos will forever be mocked by your friends and family. Um, Or maybe again, that's just me. (laughs) But even if you don't dread getting your picture made or feel anxious about being on camera, you need to know that it's more important than ever that you learn how to be comfortable on camera in order to get noticed and get ahead in today's world. Here's an interesting and possibly scary stat for you. By the year 2020, which is less than two years away, video traffic will be 82% of all consumer internet traffic, and that's up from 70% in 2015. So if you have a message to share or you want to make an impact in our digital world, then you've got to get comfortable being on camera. True confession I don't mind speaking on stage in front of thousands of people, but I don't love being on camera. In fact, I don't like it much at all. Is that weird? Probably. (laughs) There are probably lots of real and imagined reasons for that, but probably the biggest reason is that I don't always feel like I look my best when I see a photo or a video. And sometimes I feel like that moment in time that was captured for perpetuity on video could have been done so much better. The good news is that I have a friend, Val Brown, who specializes in helping people like you and me to overcome our on-camera challenges. And I'm excited that she's joining me today to share some great tips and coaching to get us prepared to show up with confidence and clarity for on-camera opportunities. In today's episode, I chat with Val about how cool it was to grow up on a farm with horses in Southern California, one of my favorite places on earth, and her career journey through being a journalist, on-camera personality, television producer, director, and station manager. And by the way, she's part of a very small and prestigious group of creative people. She's won an Emmy for her work in television production. How cool is that? After her television career, Bao worked in the public sector using her education and communication and organization development to capture and share stories. And today, she owns her own communication company, Visual Bridge Communication, where she leverages her unique background and skill set to help business professionals and entrepreneurs overcome the hidden reasons they're afraid to be in front of the camera so that they can multiply their business and career results. Through her work, Val has found that we all have self-limiting beliefs that hold us back on camera. And she's developed a three-part framework and planning process to help you and I get camera ready so that we can share our brand-aligned message in a powerful and meaningful way. You'll want to listen to our conversation today to learn more about that process In addition to getting some great tips for vocal branding, what to wear on camera, and how to appear skinnier. Ooh, that's worth the price of admission right there, folks. So let's do this. Welcome, Val Brown, to the Impact Makers Podcast. How are you doing today in sunny California, no doubt?
1: Uh, I'm doing great. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Southern
0: California, and I am absolutely delighted to be here with you, Jennifer. We talked a little bit before we started recording about how you live in my favorite place or one of my favorite places in the world, Southern uh, California, San Diego area. And you also, for those listening, get up every morning in the wee hours and go for a walk on the beach, don't you?
1: I do. Actually, I just got back from my morning walk and I feel so, so lucky that I get to do that. It's really a wonderful way to start my day. I clear my head, I get grounded. It's I have a lot of friends there, so there's a social piece that goes with it as well, too. And we always joke we don't have to go to church because every day going to the beach and looking at the ocean is really uh, so uplifting. It's a great way to start the day.
0: I always love that. But we were in a mastermind group and many times in January, February, we're sitting in parkas and coats on the call and Val's like, I just got back from the beach, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. I know. I try not to rub
1: it in. And it's hard because it really is. It's a lifestyle. And I was really fortunate. I grew up here in Southern California, in San Diego, actually, when... Uh, San Diego really hadn't been discovered yet. And so really benefited from having a lot of open space and enjoying all the best of San Diego.
0: Mm, Good times. Well, talking about kind of growing up in San Diego, I always like to start out with tell me the Val Brown story. You know, start wherever you want. Tell us about you. Well, actually,
1: since we're talking about growing up in San Diego, I was really, really fortunate to grow up in a semi-rural area of the community. There was still a lot of open space. And We were really involved in 4-H and we all had horses and you and I share that love and Mm -hmm. I raised chickens and pigs and 4-H really teaches you a lot about being self-sufficient. You know, the 4 hs head, heart, hands and health and it was foundational for me. I also realized as an adult how much freedom I had as a kid. I mean, I had a horse and so we rode across the valley and we never really thought about it, but it was just how we got around and it was really an idyllic childhood until unfortunately my parents split up and that was just like huge turning point for me we sold the horses all the animals were gone and we moved into a tract home so it's pretty big culture shock for me and I really sort of had to refocus my energy because before it was all about being outdoors and I got a lot more introverted, I'd say. I always loved to read and write. I really focused a lot more on that. And I really had a realization that I wanted to have more control over my life. And so going to college was a really, really big deal for me. And I also knew I was going to have to pay for it. So I kind of really early on got focused on like, okay, you know, sleepless nights, how am I going to pay for this? And I settled on a strategy. School was pretty easy for me. So I figured if I really focused on my grades and doing some of those extracurricular things, I was an exchange student in France and I studied French for a long time. I could get a scholarship and I did. And so that was, you know, a big part of my formative years. And when I was just going into high school, I think, I got a job working in a local newspaper. because' like, right, I'm saving money for school, right? And oh my gosh, that was, I learned all parts of working in a newspaper and I was just hooked. And that, you know, that adrenaline in the newsroom and people, just so many different layers. And so, I was really fortunate to work for a couple of gentlemen, both my publisher and my editor, who were really ethical people and really you know, ingrained the importance of ethics in journalism. Not that I didn't see my share of arguments between the advertising side and the editorial side, but it was a great foundation for me as I went into journalism.
0: So were you actually writing? You were in high school for the paper or you were there working in a job at the paper? I actually, I wrote a lot in school.
1: At the newspaper, I worked virtually every single job. I was... Everything from the front office to being the publisher's assistant and learning about circulation. I learned about all aspects of it. And then I actually went into advertising because I thought that that was really cool at the time. And and I just realized that it wasn't a good fit with where I wanted to go with school. And I had that scholarship waiting for me. Mm -hmm. So I started out as a journalism major. And as I got into it, I realized that my scholarship did not have enough money for me to go to school for six years. And I had an opportunity to become a speech communication major, which really opened up a lot of other doors for me because it's the study of human communication. So I learned a lot about interpersonal communication, business communication, intercultural, but also rhetoric and debate and public speaking. And when I first started, I was like, Jennifer, I was so nervous when I got up to speak. I used to like wear long skirts so you couldn't see my
0: knees. That's really how bad I was when I That's first started. a good started. speaker tip for everybody out there, even if you're a guy, long skirt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because it gave me, it really gave me this sense of security. It's like, okay, you can't see how nervous I am. And from there, I actually, when I was in college, I was lucky to get an internship writing in a magazine. So there was that journalism coming up again for me. And it was a travel magazine And I wrote. I was probably two years I interned there. And when I graduated, it was like, okay, great. What do I do with the speech communication major now? And I landed a job editing the major travel magazine in Southern California, an in-room hotel magazine. And I did that for about a year, and it was great, but it really wasn't super challenging. And, you know, one of those times that, like, fate intervenes, I remembered a girlfriend of mine, when I was going to school, told me about a program that she was in where she was doing television, she was on camera, she was doing the news, and I just thought, you know what, that really had some appeal for me, and day one, when I was in the class, it was like, this is it. I was hooked. I could write, I could create, I could be outdoors. It was just like everything I loved in one and had some wonderful, wonderful professors. I have to call out Mr. Shepard because he really was a mentor for me. He really taught us to be really You know, really excellent would be the word that I would use. He paid a lot of attention to the details. And what he taught us about television was actually 50 to 60, even 70% of the work of creating good video happens before you even hit the record button. And I really took that with me throughout my career was that there are certain things that you can do to make your life easier. Because in video, Murphy's Law is the law. Something's going to go wrong. So if you're prepared, it makes it a lot easier to show up and be relaxed on camera, make sure that the message that you wanted to deliver gets delivered, and that you can really be adaptable and flexible because things happen when you're out <laughs> in that field.
0: So we're going to get to now you, you are an expert in those areas and help others to understand how they can show up really well on camera. But I don't want to miss out some of the things and experiences that you've had along the way. What was probably the craziest thing you reported on as a reporter? Wow. Okay.
1: Well, I'm going to give you a little context for that if I could. Sure. When I started working at the television station, there were just a couple of girls there were not a lot of women. When I first started the television station, there were not a lot of women in production. And I felt really fortunate to have this opportunity. So I worked my way up from a PA to being on camera to then actually running the television station. And we developed a lot of different programming and news being one of them. And I would tell you that probably the thing that really sticks out for me most is the first week we went on the air with our newscast. We had the Heaven's Gate. I don't know if you remember that, where there was a cult that, unfortunately, they all committed suicide because they thought that there was somebody coming from outer space to come and take them back with them. And so it was a huge story here in San Diego, but it was our very first week out the gate. And that was a real eye opener for me because there's so many things that you have to pay attention to in news and credibility, getting your facts right. And, you know, news is news. You got to get it on the air. I always said news is like a hungry baby. You know, you always need to feed it. And so In my time in running the station, it really, really foundational in the editorial and the journalism side. But also, I took a station that was underperforming to a 724 station, built a lot of programming, rebuilt the station, and had to learn how to manage creatives. I had a full, full cast of creatives. And as well you know, managing creatives is a lot different than
0: managing really set roles in an organization. Mm -hmm. So how do you manage the divas of the creative world in television?
1: Well, I think the number one thing I learned was they were there for the same reason I was, that they had something that they wanted to express. And as the manager, I was responsible for getting people across the finish line on time, on budget, and to create a positive working environment when people felt like they could make a contribution and they also respected the fact that there were boundaries because you can't function in an environment like that without boundaries. Those two things seemed to help me maintain a balance between the fact that, you know, we worked for a corporation, so we had rules and they were there to, you know, feed their creative souls. So, I would say that that was probably my biggest learning on that. And trust me, I did not get that right out of the gate. I did not get that right at all out of the gate. It was a learning experience. And I feel grateful for it, though, because it's really served me well throughout the rest of my career working in production.
0: Well, you and I have talked and we'll talk about your podcast more in a little bit, Camera Ready with Val Brown. But I've told you, I feel like, and she keeps coming up here. I can't wait until she's actually a guest on the podcast. You have an Oprah voice. You have that that deep resonance that when I listen to it, I hear credibility and just, you know, it's a powerful voice. Is that something that came natural to you in terms of your speaking style? Or did you develop that through the training that you had both on camera and off? Great
1: question. I think that it really was a result of the on air work that I did and realizing that you had to be clear and concise. And working at the television station, I had an opportunity to start doing voice work. And at that point, I realized that I needed to get some instruction on how to use my voice. And so I did that and I've just continued to work over time. You're never done. And Mm -hmm. Actually, I was really, really, it was so fun just how everything comes full circle. A couple of episodes ago, I was able to have one of my mentors actually on my podcast and he talked about vocal branding, which is a really cool topic.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you've given me some tips before, and I am always a work in progress when it comes to my voice and tone of voice, etc. But what are some of the tips or exercises that you share for people on how to really have that quality of sound, whether they're professional speakers or not? We all need to be clearly heard and get our message out there. So what are some tips you can share?
1: There's three basic things that I would suggest. First of all, your voice is a muscle. It's just like being an athlete. And you wouldn't just go out and run a sprint without warming up. So first and foremost is warm up your voice and take care of it. And even the days that you're not doing a podcast or speaking, little simple things like I run up the register, you know, maybe momo mum, go, you know, run up the scale, run down the scale, make sure that you have plenty of sleep. Because once again, it's just like your brain. You don't get enough sleep. It's a muscle. It's not going to perform for you when you need it to. Be really familiar with your material. And I mean, read it out loud ahead of time. Don't just read it to yourself. Because what that does is it gives you an opportunity to see where you might stumble. So often things that are written for us by other people are the written word. They're not the spoken word. And so, part of a really natural delivery is when you can speak something because you own it. And the last thing is really to make sure that you breathe and focus. Focus on the material that you're working on. I forgot to tell you, there's one other exercise I love, and it's using things like rubber baby buggy bumpers, or she sold seashells by the seashore. And the reason those are important is that if you really focus on doing those exercises well it really helps you take control of your enunciation and your ability to deliver so i would say that those are the key things that i focus on before i do a presentation or a podcast
0: mm-hmm. and you've also shared with me that diet coke my drink of choice <laughs> is not the best prep as i sit here with my diet coke what is your uh, recommendation there <laughs> yeah,
1: well actually Drinking water starting drinking water well before you go on the air so that you can hydrate your vocal cords And I always like to have something warm warm water never cold water because cold water will constrict your vocal cords And everybody's different. Some people have allergies to dairy And so what it can do is you can get a frog in your throat So I recommend you stay away from dairy products coffee can actually dry out your vocal cords So if you know that you're going to be doing a lot of talking Start drinking water well before you're going to be on the air. It will serve you very well as you actually get into your material. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. So we've kind of already started talking about some of the things that you help people with today and do in your daily life. So there's a transition from the television, the broadcasting, the managing the station to if there's something in between you want to share. But tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today and, and what type of work do you do now? Well,
1: I'll take the first part of it, which really led to the work that I'm doing today. After I left the station, actually, you know, a big part of the station too was we were in the telecommunications industry. I like to say it was sort of the wild, wild west days. We worked with a lot of entrepreneurs. I had a lot of great mentors that taught me a lot about business and communication and marketing. And it was really a formative time. And so after that, the whole opportunity went away because the station was sold and there were a lot of changes. I went out on my own for a couple of years and I would say that that was one of the most freeing opportunities that I've ever had because when I was in corporate, nothing wrong with corporate, but I really, you know, I did the corporate thing and it was an opportunity for me to explore my own values and read and write and produce and really dig into my craft and the freedom that I felt really reminded me of like when I was a kid riding my horse across the valley, it was amazing. And I did that for a couple of years and then I had an opportunity come up to work in the public sector. And it wasn't a big leap for me because in my work at the station, I worked with a lot of elected officials and local governments and I minored and did a whole bunch of work in political science in college. And I thought, well, why not? you know, see how the other, you know, the other side is. I had a lot of friends, you know, tease me and said, oh, you're going to the dark side. And honestly, I recommend public service to everyone. It is so gratifying. I learned a lot and it just felt good knowing that the work I was doing really was affecting the quality of life for people. So I got to start another television station there and I worked on messaging and interviewed a lot of people. And like I say, I got to interview everybody from senators to street sweepers. And while I was at the city, one of the things that kept coming up was, and it's something that happened while I was working at the station too, I'd have clients come up and ask me to write a video to fix something. It's just like, if they just understood, you know, a video would make them understand this problem would go away. And intuitively, I just knew... there's something more here but i didn't have the language or the skills to be able to articulate what i was seeing and When I started working in government, we planned a two and a half day learning conference and we worked with some community building giants, Peter Block, John McKnight, Peter Kestenbaum. These people have spent their entire career creating community. And I saw the power of changing the language in an organization to change the conversation. And once you change the conversation, you can change the culture. And I was like, wow. This stuff, I mean, it gave me goosebumps. It was really new new thinking that I hadn't been exposed to before. And so I had an opportunity to do my grad work at Pepperdine in organization development. And that was absolutely a life-changing experience. We consulted globally and had the opportunity to use those skills to plant seeds for change, meaningful change in other countries. And then I was able to bring all of that back and combine that with my communication skills and start putting that into my writing in the community. So story took on a whole different aspect for me because I was really a lot more intentional about the stories that I was writing and telling which really set the stage for what I'm doing today to answer the second part of your question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Changes in leadership at the city and really, you know, I was there for uh, about 12 years and it was time to do something new. And so I had an opportunity to join a consulting firm, an executive leadership consulting firm. And I thought, you know what? this feels right, because I could use my organization development skills. And it also gave me the opportunity to start my own business. And when I started working with business professionals and entrepreneurs, you know, it was like a big sign, big neon sign. It was like, help me get comfortable in front of the camera so I can deliver my message, so I can speak to a wider audience, so I can be credible and authentic and effective. And that just kept coming up over and over again. So it's like, okay, (laughs) you know, I have the skills and I love helping people get past those self-limiting beliefs that keep them from feeling comfortable on camera. And so that's what I do now is I work with business leaders. I work with entrepreneurs or organizations, and I teach them how to get
0: comfortable in front of the camera so they can deliver their message. So what are some of the foundations that you teach people who, I mean, I'm sure you work with all kinds of people who think they're great on camera that you end up helping them to see where they're not as great as they think they are. And also there's probably many, many more people who are just terrified of the idea of it. So do you start the same place with everyone? That's a great question, Jennifer. And Everybody is
1: different. There are certain patterns that you see that show up. So part of my process with people is just meeting them where they are. And so by recording yourself and, you know, critiquing where you think you are is a really, really good starting place. One of the things that's important for me is to really get clear about each individual's self-limiting beliefs because mindset is the number one thing that keeps people from being able to get on camera. They need to know that they can do it. And so we'll work through stripping that away and then I teach basic skills about what to wear, where to look, how to use gestures how to create effective messages, and all of that comes together where you start kind of shy and scared, and you can really, you know, come out on the other side feeling fearless and confident because you know that you've done the work, and part of what I did to make it easy for people was to put it into a, a really simple framework, and I'd be happy to share that if you'd like me to. Absolutely. Absolutely so when i worked in production one of my mentors the very first thing he taught me was prior planning prevents poor performance i have to say that again because it's a great alliteration prior planning prevents poor performance and it's true and just like what mr Shepard taught me my mentor early on was most of your work is done before you ever hit the record button so my framework is the three p's and it's purpose knowing your purpose creating a plan, and then that allows you to focus on your on-camera presence. So when we're looking at what our purpose is for our video, why are we hitting the record button? Why are we investing all this money to do this? And you would be surprised, Jennifer. Honestly, how many people don't even think about that? It's like, oh, I have to do a video for such and such. And it's like, well, what's the purpose of it? How is it going to be used? What do you want it to do for you? What is the purpose of you investing this time and going through being nervous or you know, going out and buying a new outfit, getting a new set, doing all of these things. So getting really, really clear about your purpose and then creating a plan to support that purpose. And that plan is going to involve planning out your messages. And it's also going to plan where you're going to actually deliver your message. And with personal brand being so important today, paying attention to where you are when you shoot a video is critical does this support my brand? If your brand is happy and upbeat and outgoing and cheery, having you in front of a dark wall or a brick wall that is kind of mysterious looking doesn't support your brand. And it's something that I find a lot of people really overlook. And so creating that plan then frees up your energy so that you can focus on your on-camera presence. And your on-camera presence is, remember we talked about mindset? Well, those two are directly connected to each other. And one of the things I teach is that we all have three brains. Did you know that, Jennifer, that we have three
0: brains? I thought we had two, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the third brain's the really important one. Well, they're all important, but mm-hmm. they all have different functions. So, you know, our, our rational thinking brain is, you know, our decision, logical, decision-making logical brain. And then our heart is where our values reside. And so it's, you know, when we are making values decisions, we rely on our heart brain. But our third brain is in our gut, our solar plexus. It's fascinating, but it's really our intuitive brain. And it's part of really us keeping ourselves safe because like it's pings, it's sending out sort of like a sonar where when somebody is saying something and their body energy doesn't match what they're saying and they're out of alignment, your body is going to go, hmm, there's something wrong here. You know, that's why I call it our intuitive sense. And we've all had that happen where it's like, hey, I don't really trust this person. And so when you know your purpose, you create a plan it's so much easier for you to be in alignment when you actually deliver your message. So that's why I like to focus on having your three brains engaged as you're delivering your message.
0: I think it's, you know, I get asked often about, you know, speaking and very similar to you with the on-camera presence. And certainly I've been blessed. I have never really been nervous to get up in front of people and talk. And I know that that's a rare gift and I'm grateful for it. It is indeed. And I love watching you speak. (laughs) In the profession I've chosen, that's great. But Mm -hmm. I, I always think back, you know, when people do talk about being nervous and I know it's not necessarily that simplistic, but the only time that I can ever recall where like my voice cracked and I was nervous was when I was delivering a slide presentation that I had not created in other words Mm -hmm. sharing a message that was not really mine and it was a training class and I remember that day being really kind of nervous and hearing my voice crack and going why and after I thought about it it was like because I didn't feel it you know I was Mm -hmm. trying to convey a message that wasn't authentic to me and so you know when I give people very simplistic advice you've gone much deeper but it's always like you know I kind of feel like if you really you're up there talking to people about something that you're passionate about or you care about or that you've planned and prepared, the chance for nervousness is much, much smaller than if you're getting up there thinking, well, is this really good enough? Am I going to hit what the objectives are for the meeting planner? I don't think I look great. You know, so if you haven't planned out all those things, then that's what's going through your head instead of I'm so excited to share this message and why wouldn't you be nervous? Absolutely. That is perfectly said.
1: I couldn't say it better myself because that's exactly the reason that we want to be on purpose and create a plan so that your presence, when you're focusing on that, it's exactly that. I am so excited that I get to have this opportunity to share something with people to help them have a more effective life and career. And so the energy that would be nerves now goes into enthusiasm and passion about what you're talking about. And that goes to the planning part. And do you know your material, just like we were talking about with vocal branding? Do you know your material? And that way, it gives you some flexibility. If things don't go exactly perfect, that's like, hey, I can roll with it. And you're right. Those things like a voice cracking or, you know, being overly nervous, dry throat, all
0: of those things come into play when you're nervous because your body's trying to protect you. Mm -hmm. So. Well, we're going to get some coaching for me here, which I think will ultimately help people. But I want to go back through all of the three things that you've mentioned and kind of maybe dive a little deeper. So when I know purpose, that's a, a word that a lot of people are talking about these days. And I think it applies whether you want to be on video or be a speaker. or Again, if you're thinking about starting your own business someday or, or you work in a corporate role we all know that it's kind of really important to understand purpose. Mm -hmm. But yet, even with all the work that I've done on purpose, I still don't know that I've reached total clarity. Do you have some exercises or some ways that you work with people to help them understand their purpose, whether it's for their life story or for a specific video that they're trying to do or a talk, etc.? What kind of work do Mm -hmm. you do with people to understand that?
1: Actually, it's something, it's a tool that I learned in OD. It's a strategic planning tool and it works very, very well for this is where are you now and where do you want to go? And that really helps people get very clear about the videos that I'm doing are really an action that you're taking in order to reach the goal that you want to get to. And if they're not supporting that path, then why are you doing them? And so it just really cuts a lot of the noise out. And it's like, okay, I need to do a video to communicate a certain message because the end result of me doing that is X. And we take all of that other stuff away while we're focusing on purpose. So, do you want to inform somebody? Do you want to educate them? Do you want to teach them how to do something? Or is, you know, in corporate communications or as an entrepreneur, are you looking to engage and create a relationship? And so that's really easy to diagram that out. So that's a good place to start on purpose. And then the other part of purpose is, are you using this for your website? Is this something that's going to be on national media? Are these photos for a publication? And a lot of people don't think about that and there's different lighting and different setups that you need when you're using them for different things. So by identifying that, when you get to the planning stage, you can say, oh, okay, this outdoor shoot, we need to have this feel. We need extra people to be in the background. We need to make sure that the room is going to be available at the time that we need it to be. I know they're small things,
0: but can create a lot of stress if you don't, plan ahead for them. So I know you're really thorough, which is not always my strong point. So when you say your purpose and thinking about where you are and where you want to go, in my mind, I'd sit down and go, well, I'm here and I'm there and done. You know, so that's two words on a piece of paper. But it sounds like (laughs) like you're saying it really needs to be like a whole diagrammed out thing where we not only talk about where I want to go, but what's the feel, what's the yeah, help, mm-hmm. help me get more sure. than two words on my paper valve.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely.
0: Well, it starts with
1: understanding your personal brand and knowing what your personal brand is because that has to carry through everything. So we talked a little bit about that earlier about you know, your vocal brand and your brand identity. And I've done a couple of podcasts on both of these. If you want to get more background on them, I really do a deep dive on both those topics. So- you have a business plan, right? Like, what do you want to achieve in your business? And where does a video fall into all of the other things that you're doing in marketing? And the reason I want people to be on purpose is it's really time consuming to do video. And it's also an incredibly effective way to reach the people that you want to speak with. So, By being on purpose, you're being intentional, and you're also shedding light on some things in your business that it's like, wow, I really need to spend more time teaching people about a certain aspect of my business, or people don't have the information they need to know to make a decision about my business, so do I need to be more persuasive? So those are the kinds of things that I'm talking about when you're on purpose. Does that help? Does that give Mm -hmm. you a little more clarity around that? Yeah.
0: So I think now kind of moving into the plan and taking that information, as we know, again, you've seen some of the videos or on camera work that I've done and you've always been very nice to offer some really helpful tips. (laughs) (laughs) Back to that, I'm just like, okay, we're doing a video, turn it on. uh, (laughs) Yeah, but again, it sounds like we would all benefit certainly me from sitting down and creating a plan. So what needs to be planned out if I'm planning on getting in front of a camera for headshots or for video? You know mm-hmm. what, what kinds of work do I need to do up front?
1: First of all, is the question I ask is, what do you want to use these for? So pictures for your website or pictures for LinkedIn, are you going to be in a publication? My goal is always to help you think through that. So if you need to do a couple different setups for something that's slightly different on a location, you plan for it. Once again, hiring a photographer or videographer is not inexpensive. So we need to think through what's the end use of this. I'll give you an example, a website. I want one of those nice banner shots. Well, that means making sure that you are in the frame either to the right or to the the left, we very rarely see anybody right in the center because you want to be able to have your tagline and talk about your business. Personality shots. What do I want my viewer, the person who's coming to my website, to know about me? Or a lifestyle video. So lifestyle shots and how is what's going on in those shots supporting my brand? And once you go through this exercise, it doesn't have to take a long time it becomes almost such you know almost second nature it's like oh no i would never i'm not going to wear jeans and a torn t-shirt because that doesn't support my brand it becomes a mindset so for you in disrupt hr you know you're speaking to people hr professionals you have a great on camera look I've seen you speak. I've been at conferences where you've spoken. And so you know your brand and you communicate that brand. And that's what I really work with people to be intentional about is defining their brand. A lot of people have a hard time defining their brand. So we'll get clear about that. And then it's like, okay, so that's what this looks like on camera. And pretty soon you'll start saying, oh, no, no that doesn't work. The other things I really like to pay attention to and... It's important. It's the difference between a video that people engage with or not. Sometimes you watch a video and you go, why do I not enjoy this? Why do I not want to watch it? Little things like, is there something distracting going on in your background? Are you lit? You know, if your face is dark, people can't see your eyes and they won't connect with you. Do you have good sound? You know, video with with only audio is actually, you know, it's radio and we listen to good audio. <laughs> wait, wait, that's a quote. We need to pull that out for Twitter. <laughs> video without audio is radio
0: <laughs> or audio without video is radio.
1: Radio, <laughs> yes. Audio without video is radio. <laughs> audio without video is radio. And so you want to have quality sound. And those are the little things that will make a difference between your video and someone else's. And There are things that you can do. It doesn't need to take a lot of time. The investment really is in creating an awareness. It's like anything that you study. Once you study it, the skills that you didn't know that were there, then you can bring them with you and it gives you a comfort level. It's like, yeah, I need to face my light source. I need to pay attention to what's behind me. I'm not going to wear a lot of jewelry and big, print, unless that's really your brand. I'm going to wear things that fit well so I don't look bigger because television adds easily five to 10 pounds. And the same thing happens in photos. So you want to find the colors that look good on you, the styles that look
0: good on you, and the things that line up with your brand. Mm-hmm. So, you, I don't know if this maybe kind of segues into the presence piece, but like you've mentioned things like clothing or a look that aligns with your brand. Mm-hmm. And I'd say for myself and a lot of other people that I talk with who are maybe wary of getting on camera, that what to wear, you know, for women or maybe even some men how to style your hair mm-hmm. how much makeup too little makeup too much makeup you know i've seen studies on executive presence where they show headshots of women with different levels of makeup on and ask them to decide you know vote for which one is most trustworthy is most credible mm-hmm. and you're shocked because i believe it was the one that was most credible was the one that had all the makeup piled on <laughs> You know, and you're like, well, as a woman, we're told not to do that, but yet that was people's first mm-hmm. impression. So are there some guidelines that either you have or just in general, when you're saying clothing or a look that aligns with your brand, how do I map that out? You know, If, if I determine in the purpose part what my brand is and my personal brand is and do the work in my personal brand worksheet, which you can find at JenniferMcClure.net slash PBWorksheet. So I've kind of fleshed out my brand. Now, how do I match my look to that? Mm-hmm.
1: Great question. And actually, I do have a resource on my website that you can download and it's how to prepare for a photo or a video shoot. So we can give you some more information at the end of our conversation about how to get that. The biggest thing is, you know what you look good in and you know what you look comfortable in. And I'm going to take a real easy one because I think most people can visually relate to this. If you're in corporate, there's a certain look you're not going to show up in something that doesn't support that look. So for men, it's typically going to be, you know, a blazer and a shirt. And you and I've had this conversation, you know, jeans are certainly acceptable. You see a lot of that when people speak in corporate, but you want it to support your look. And for women, the same thing goes is there are certain things that you want to stay away from shiny fabrics things that are really dated as far as you know wearing seasonal clothing but finding those clothes that you feel really good in colors that you feel really good in blues and greens are really hard to go wrong with on television and i always advocate for solids over prints because solids are a lot more slimming and Pick colors that go with your brand. So those are some of the things. And then as far as hair and makeup goes, I have a whole list of things that you can do. But for the makeup, I always advocate that you wear your regular makeup and then a little bit more because you do have bright lights that can wash you out, but you don't want to put on so much that you don't look like yourself. I've seen that happen where people have gotten headshots taken and they've had a professional makeup artist do their makeup. And they don't look like themselves. So you want to look like you. One of the tips that I share that a lot of people don't know is when it comes to lipstick, some women love to wear red lipstick. And you know, if you're a personality brand and that's something that, you know, fashion and wearing red lips goes together, great. In corporate, Pick a shade that's close to your own natural lip color. So it gives you some color to your face, but it's congruent with everything else that you've got going on. Because when you put makeup on to the extreme, whether it's to your eyes or to your mouth, you're calling attention to that. And you want people to look at you and get the whole picture. And that's why I also really, really strongly caution against wearing large pieces of jewelry. Have you ever noticed you know, somebody's wearing something? It's like, oh, I love that necklace. I wonder where she got that. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it is. It's true. It's a distraction. You know, we hone in on that. And if you watch television, the same thing. As if somebody's wearing large dangling earrings or a large necklace, just start paying attention. You actually pay attention to that over
0: what they're saying. I think it, you know whether it's a, for women, large jewelry or something on anyone that is very noticeable and. Hearing your example there, I can think a few years ago, the National Speakers Association has an annual conference. And I think they were like a lot of people, they were trying out live streaming. So it's expensive to go to the conference. I still haven't been yet. I hope to go someday. And I know it's great content. But for whatever reason, they announced that you could live stream some of the sessions from the conference, you know, and they tweeted out a link. And so I was like, sweet. So I watched and then I think they realized like a couple of days in that they had not limited it. So they cut it <laughs> off. One of the keynote sessions that I watched again, National Speakers Association. So these are the professionals of the professionals. I will never forget. I don't even remember what she talked about, but she had on the most gigantic necklace I've ever seen. <laughs> and that is the first thing I noticed. And the only thing that I remember <laughs> is that it was exactly. like, a sun, like a sun on her chest.
1: <laughs> <Like> exactly. <on. laughs> and, 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 and how long ago was that?
0: Two or three years ago. (laughs) Right. And so
1: I think we all have examples of things like that. The thing is, we just don't want to be that person. And -hmm. the same thing goes for, I know that we both have, we love shoes. And that's another temptation too, is like, oh, I love these shoes. Well, there are going to be other people in your audience that love your shoes too. Mm -hmm. And so we need to balance our wardrobe because when we get up to speak, that's the first thing people are doing. They're, just, they're looking you, you know, they look at your hair, they look at what you're wearing. And so it's a process for people. And that's one of the things I coach people through is how to find your own brand and help you stop spending money on clothing that doesn't support your brand. They see a lot of people go out and buy things for a one time and it's like, wow, really cute, really nice. Even with men. You know, that tie is just not going to work. And
0: so try and work with you ahead of time so that you don't make those mistakes. So do you think like... You know, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I have a personal brand expertise business. I have a website. I don't have a lot of good current photos of me. There are a couple of reasons for that is that, number one, I've not been intentional about asking for them at the events where I speak at. Number two, I've not hired anybody to take photos of me. Number three, I don't have, well, a really current headshot. All of those are because I am going to be transparently honest here because I think a lot of people maybe will be like me. I want to lose 20 pounds and <laughs> get 20 years younger before I schedule my headshots. So what do you do with somebody like me, Val?
1: <laughs> well, actually, that is the number one reason I hear people are really hesitant about doing their headshots is, eh, I'd like to lose 10 pounds. And I'm right there with you. You know, We all want to look our very best because a picture is around for a long time. I encourage you to work with your assets the way you are today. There are ways that you can look fabulous and feel fabulous and have that come through on camera. And a lot of that starts with your mindset and being really clear about, hey, you know, this picture is from my website. And when I think about my business, I feel so excited. And that's one of the things, you know, when I talk about presence is I'm excited to be here. And that really comes through in your eyes. And... I know I keep referring back to my podcast, but I did an an interview with my photographer, Stephanie Murray, and she talks about how to choose a photographer to support your brand. And one of the things she always focuses on in photos is your eyes, because that's really how we connect with other people. We're all worried about everything else that we're wearing. People look at your eyes. Do they feel a connection with you? And so making sure that you you meet the basics as far as your hair being appropriate for your brand, wearing something appropriate. And then on shoots, I always recommend that you take several outfits because you said that you needed other photos for your website. Well, you can do some personality and some lifestyle shots while you're out. And that all comes in with knowing your purpose and
0: then creating a plan. Sure. So, I'm sure. Can you give us like the spectrum or maybe even is it okay? There might be like the DIY version for somebody who maybe doesn't have a fully built out website yet, or maybe they're just getting started. And then there is the version that, you know, I'm just racking up in my head the cost of things while you're chatting and I'm thinking, okay, so if I'm going to do headshots or a video for my website, I need to hire... a. Val. I need to Mm -hmm. hire a stylist. I need to hire somebody to do my hair and makeup. I'm going to pay for a photographer. Then I'm going to have to pay for editing if I'm doing video. I've just spent several thousand dollars. So yes, you can do that. And I think for Mm -hmm. people at a certain level, you have to do that. But for the person who's just started, do they have to start with all that?
1: Absolutely not. And I would encourage you to Once again, go back to the purpose is to get a photo up on your website. And I cannot tell you how many people do not move forward in their businesses because they don't have a headshot for their website. So get the headshot done. And when you're shooting, you can have a friend do it. You know, iPhones today have nice depth of field controls that, you know, you can get that nice, soft, out of focus background. Think about a background that supports your business and also that is in the same color scheme as the colors that you've chosen for your website. So if you are in the blues and greens, find a place where there's some nice greenery that can be softly out of focus, where you have nice light on your face and get it done. The biggest thing is the expression on your face, the joy, the connection that you create through your eyes. The same thing goes with your welcome video on your website. Make sure you put it on a tripod and you have good sound. Those are the two things that I would really encourage you to do, and then be familiar with your material. Make sure that you know what points you want to make. It doesn't have to be involved, and a lot of that has to do with not being prepared. So know what you're going to say and get it done. You know, and editing today doesn't have to. You don't have to send it out. You know, I use uh, iMovie to edit videos and it's super easy. So no, you don't need to do that. And once again, if you download that sheet that we were talking about, you can get an idea of good colors to wear and just get it done because, you know, as your brand grows, things are going to change. I've been through, I think this is my second or third iteration on my website. So.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, you know, as you said, I think, myself included, I'll squarely put myself in that. Many of us don't take the big leaps we need to take. We find something very small that's holding mm-hmm. us back. Mm-hmm. And I can say headshot and video or pictures from my website have held me back in some areas, but not to call attention to it and not to send Val there because now I'll be told what I could do better. But <laughs> <laughs> um, the headshot that's on the podcast art for this podcast and was on my website and all my social media profiles was from 2012. And while Mm -hmm. I still, I think, look somewhat like that. Yes, you do. You know, I know for years that it needed to be updated and it, you know, does. And so I was actually, I was in Australia. I was speaking at a conference. I came back to my hotel room and I was very high up in this, you know, big high rise hotel and the walls in the hotel room were black. And I just kind of looked and I went, the lighting is amazing. And this black background is amazing. I'm going to, and I'm having a good hair day.
1: Yeah, that's so important. <laughs> and I was good here wearing a good face day, right? I wasn't
0: wearing a dress that was like my brand colors are in the blues, but I had out a hot pink kind of dress and I'm like, I think I look okay. I'm going to attempt a DIY headshot. And so I literally put a trash can up on the desk, propped my iPhone on some books, put it in portrait mode and the timer, uh-huh. and I took several photos in front of that black background and Well, it's not where I want it to be. I changed all my social media profiles to that. I haven't changed the podcast art yet, but I did it myself with an iPhone, people. Bravo, bravo. (laughs) And if Val had been there, it would have been so much better. (laughs) Uh
1: I would have loved to have been there in Australia. But you know what? You took action and that's really what, needs to happen because every time you do a video, every time you have an opportunity to work with a camera and you, you know, learn some of these techniques, you can start practicing them. And that's how we get better at anything in life, honestly, is investing the time to learn some of the technique and then practice it and put it into work. So I haven't had a chance to check that out yet, Jennifer. Well, I'll I- see, now I'm going to get a
0: report card back. Let's <laughs> try <laughs> It was. Trying, Val. It was I, I look forward to <laughs> Yes, I, do. I think that there's some value and I try again, I have this conversation with myself when I think about, you know, the weight that I want to lose or how much I want to fix my hair, or do something better. I remind myself I'm going out on a stage and I'm showing up in front of, you know, a few hundred or a couple thousand people looking like I look today. So mm-hmm. there are a couple of things that are buried within that. Number one is I need to feel good and look good because I have the best job in the world and I don't want to get in my own way of sharing the message that I have to share and be worried about me when it should be about others. Mm -hmm. The second is, if I am that uncomfortable with my appearance, then I should do something about it, you know? So it comes down to, you know, can I hide from getting my picture made or making a video? Yes, but I show up in front of far more people in person. And if I'm not comfortable with how I look, Then it's on me to take action to change that. That's a great pep talk that I don't take advice for myself. (laughs) Nicely
1: said, Jennifer. And, (laughs) And both pieces are true. And on the second piece, it's just like what you were talking about the little steps is, you know, I have one of my listeners who I absolutely adore. It was all about her haircut. And she actually sent me a couple pictures and we worked back and forth. And she got this new haircut and it's beautiful. Okay, great. So now guess what? I'm taking photos because I feel better about my haircut. And it's the same thing. If you're not happy with your appearance, start walking every day. I mean, I walk every day. That's a big part of my exercise. And then find one outfit that you feel comfortable in. So those little incremental things, just making it a goal and going after it give you that confidence. Hey, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. I
0: look pretty good in that picture. Oh, and- day, yeah, <laughs> so uh, I want to wrap it up and be you know respectful of your time. but I a couple of questions. One, I think is gonna be like the most important because we were chatting before, and I, I wanted you to save this because I think it's a universal question. You mentioned in our conversation before we started recording that there are tips that we can look thinner on camera. I need to know these things out now.
1: They are. That is the number one question I get is what to wear. And we touched on this a little bit. Wear clothes that fit well. I know a lot of people think that if they wear something that doesn't hug their body, you're not going to see all the imperfections. Well-fitting clothes actually make you look thinner. And then work in solids. Because when you break your body up, especially if you have imperfections and you wear light colors, especially white, I never advocate that you are white, black, or red on camera. It just goes back to when cameras couldn't handle those colors as well. Digital technology makes it a lot easier, but it can create lighting issues. So blues and greens, solids, things that fit well. V-necks are slimming out of you can wear a boat neck, a scoop neck, but v necks are slimming because what that does is it actually elongates your face and can make your face look slimmer. So that and then a lot of this is working with your photographer, but it's getting your face at the right angle. Very rarely is shooting straight on the most flattering pose, and a slight turn either way. And then there's this one trick that I love and it's in actually it's in my handout but it's we call it do the chicken (laughs) we've talked about this before but what you do is you actually tilt your forehead slightly forward and you can feel it tighten up your jaw and it pulls up your chin. And it actually makes your face look a little bit thinner. So I always advocate if you're going to use it for photo, don't use it in your photos the first time. Practice it and see how it looks in the mirror and how it feels. And you can even do a selfie. Doing selfies is good. I mean, it kind of gives you an idea about, oh, okay, my face looks better this way. So that's the biggest Tip I can give you about looking thinner on camera. See, that's
0: worth the price of admission. But see, all along I thought I got that tip from Tyra Banks, you know, because I wanted to be. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Tyra is like for selfies, you extend your arm, you put out your chin, and you look up. <laughs> and I'm like, and actually,
1: you know, for <laughs> selfies it is slightly different. And and there are other things that you can do, angling your body a little bit more than we can have time to get into right now. But there are definitely certain ways that you can pose your body where you can minimize. Um, see. You know, So I just
0: need to to have you there to help me look skinny. Um, I would love to be there anytime, (laughs) Jennifer. It would be too much fun. Well, to wrap it up here, people don't have the opportunity to see you on camera here looking lovely and representing your brand well. But one thing they're also not seeing is you happen to have an Emmy on Mm -hmm. the wall in your office behind you. And I believe you've told me the story about the Emmy before so you can tell us what you got it for. But if I recall did you show up to actually get your Emmy? <laughs> uh,
1: no. <It's> That's story. <laughs>
0: Speaking it's of the Emmys story. were on last night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were, actually. Actually, I wrote a blog post about this. It's uh, a good learning experience. No, I was not there. I had been nominated for several other Emmys, and they had never really... Uh, come to fruition. And so that time I decided I was going to set it out and I really heard about it. It's like, where were you? And
0: uh, so So what was your Emmy for? What did you win?
1: I actually, it was for writing and producing. I did a piece on leadership actually, and it was about a leadership
0: program in our community and it won an Emmy for producing. So, in the Trivial Pursuit questions of where do you keep your Emmys, <laughs> the answer in Val's case is in her office on a shelf. <laughs> yes, I do. I do.
1: And and it's actually it's such an honor. And I will also say that I didn't do it by myself. And that's the one thing I love about the whole concept of television. It's totally a team sport. No one excels on their own. And so wonderful editor and videographers that worked with me. I'm just the lucky one. I got the credit for it, but certainly
0: did not do that on my own. Mm -hmm. Well, and I want to thank you again for sharing some of the tips you did today, but I want to make sure there's ways that people can follow up with you and learn more about how to be more competent on camera and understand their story. So where can we find Val Brown? My website is Visual Bridge
1: Communication. It's Visual Bridge Communication. And if you would like to download the PDF that we talked about, there's a place there where you can just click on the download button and fill that out and
0: you will get that. You'll get the three P's of how to work through that? It's
1: based on the three P's. What I've done is I've taken that and I've broken that down into what you need to think about before you shoot, the planning piece, and then what to wear, your on-camera presence. So there's a whole detailed list in there about what to and not wear, and then some tips on makeup and hair and all those good things. And And then, then you have a podcast. So tell us about the podcast and what's involved with that. I saw a pattern as far as certain questions that kept coming up over and over again. And I thought, you know what, I could do a podcast. It doesn't have to be long. I, purposely have kept all the episodes short. They're anywhere from eight to 15 minutes long, where I just take one topic and I focus on that so that you can get some tips that you can put to use right away. So it's Camera Ready with Val Brown, and it's on my website. It's on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you like to listen. And the whole goal is by listening to the podcast, you're demystifying the process for yourself. And I've gotten great great response to it. I'm having a ton of fun doing it. And if you all want to check it out, it's Camera Ready with Val Brown. And it's really been a privilege to get to share. You know, I have been so, so lucky to have the career that I've had and the mentors that I've had. So it's my opportunity to put that out into the universe and help other people take advantage of that and
0: show up on camera feeling confident and looking and feeling their absolute best. Well, and I'll be sure to link to all these resources for Val and the podcast and the download and her website on the show notes for this episode. And I want everyone to know that in the future, because there will be videos and eventually there will be new headshots and pictures on my website and I will look skinnier than I actually (laughs) am. not going to add five pounds to me. I'm going to find ways, thanks to Val's tips, to take five pounds off. And you'll wonder how you can do that too. So you can download Val's PDF and learn from her and listen to the podcast, which I enjoy as well. So thanks for being with us today, Val, and always enjoy talking with you.
1: Oh, thank you, Jennifer. The pleasure is mine.
0: It's time for you to get noticed, create change, and grow your influence. Don't waste any time. Subscribe to this podcast and help us get the word out by leaving a review.